Have you ever wanted to play the perfect tabletop game where story beats run smoothly and there's no awkward pauses between dice rolls? Yeah, me too. But since that's impossible, I did the next best thing and novelized my Witcher tabletop game to showcase the story in its cleanest form. The result is this podcast. I'm Jacob Gerstel, and this is Tales from the Witcher. Part audiobook, part actual play, part serialized adventure, and a whole new way to vicariously enjoy tabletop games. Welcome to the world of The Witcher, where monsters roam freely and the continent is once again at war. If you were hoping to follow the plight of Geralt of Rivia, however, I'm not going to be doing that. Instead, I offer you the story of a not-so-merry band of degenerates who are making their way across the continent. So sit back, relax, and enjoy. Sense of Calm Witchers have been known to keep odious company from time to time, whenever it can help them best accomplish their fell deeds. These erstwhile allies are, at best, of questionable scruples, and at worst, lacking any and all morality. Such base companions aid the Witcher in their mission to extract as much wealth as possible from the common folk of the land, and vice versa, for a Witcher certainly isn't lacking in low cunning, so it stands to reason his companions wouldn't be either. Such people are not to be trusted. Anonymous. Monstrum, or Description of the Witcher. 1. The wood snapped beneath Jeremiah's feet as he stepped off the burned dock. Jeremiah stumbled and grabbed a charred wooden pole for balance. The craftsman glanced back at the river lion, receding in the distance. His horse, Ingot, snorted and bucked, and Jeremiah had to tug at the reins he held to keep him in line. He looked to the hollowed-out husk of a town that loomed in front of him, and sighed. The buildings of the town of Tarnow, or what remained of them, were either partially torn down or burned to the ground. Ash fluttered into the air with each gently passing breeze, lightly dusting Jeremiah's clothes. He stifled a cough and grimaced, holding his wounded side. No smoke rose from Tarnow's charred remains. No one asked who sacked the town, of course. They already knew the answer. Zevo was the first to enter, leading his horse Diablo cautiously along the empty streets, his hand hovering near the two swords strapped to his back. Ethramel went next, leading his own horse Enye, his staff clacking on the cracked cobblestones. Then Jeremiah. Carmagnola took up the rear, somewhat unwillingly. Shouldn't we, er, uh, the doctor said, glancing back at the river lion. He clutched the cat Otto tightly in his coat with one hand, and the reins of his horse Lampsy in the other. Shouldn't we go around the town? Who knows who's hiding out among the ruins? The fastest way is directly through, Zevo said, and I don't hear or smell anything, except the lingering stench of corpses. Yet there are none of said corpses lying around, Ethramel said. He motioned broadly in front of him with his staff. Meaning there were survivors to bury the dead, most like, Jeremiah said. He'd done his fair share of grave digging during the last two northern wars. Though I'd had plenty of practice by then, he thought. Burying your entire family at the age of fourteen teaches you quickly. Tarnow looked remarkably like the Keller family keep after the bandits had finished sacking it, now that Jeremiah thought about it. 
Fire had charred the keep's stone walls and floors, and destroyed everything else it touched, including the gold the bandits were after, and the eight kellers trapped inside, though that mattered little to the bandits. Jeremiah was only spared because he had taken his horse out to ride in an attempt to make friends with the beast. He had failed to do so, of course. Look, Carmagnola pointed to smoke rising in the distance. They passed through the town square, where the three-tiered fountain in the middle was filled with brackish-green water. Might be the Black Cloaks after a successful sacking. Doubt it, Zevo said. The fires happened at least a week ago. The Nilfgaardians wouldn't stay around admiring their handiwork. Still best to move cautiously, Jeremiah said. Wasn't suggesting otherwise. A motor of crows flew from what looked to be the remains of the town barracks as they passed. Tarnow's stone wall still stood, but its wooden front gate was busted open. A large wooden battering ram, cracked and blackened from the flames, rested nearby. Jeremiah got a clear view through the gate, and he wasn't surprised at what he saw. A large swath of tents in an empty field, stretching as far as the craftsmen could see, with a mass of filthy peasants either milling about or sitting glumly around guttering campfires. Beyond the tents was dense forest. And beyond that is the city of Alander, Jeremiah thought. And beyond that, the Pontar Valley, where the gutter rebellion is growing. And beyond that, who knows anymore? By the gods, how can anyone be expected to live like this? Carmagnola said, unnecessarily. After all, Jeremiah, Zevo, and Ethramel were refugees just like these poor folks not three months ago. Jeremiah elected to lead, approaching a sullen-looking gaffer sitting near a fire at the edge of camp. Good afternoon, Jeremiah said. The gaffer looked up and frowned. He had dark purple bags under his eyes, and his pale skin looked stretched over his skull. Afternoon, he said. Jeremiah thought it best to cut to the point. We're travelers passing through, and we're wondering what happened here. What do you think happened? the gaffer asked. Black cloaks came through, a whole damn regiment of them. He waited for the gaffer to say more, but when he didn't, Jeremiah coughed and said, And what happened then? It seems Nilfgaard's policy recently has been to leave towns unmolested. They offered us that choice, aye. The gaffer spat into the fire. It sizzled on the log for a moment, before disappearing forever. Submit to Nilfgaard and Imperator Emevar Emrys, and no harm will come to Tarnow. The castellan refused, so the slaughter began. The gaffer rubbed at his weak chin. Submitting seemed the better deal, once it was all over. Did you see which direction the black cloaks headed? Ethramel asked. The gaffer pointed north, towards the swath of dense forest, towards a lander. Ah, Jeremiah saw no need to press the matter further. And where's the castellan now? The gaffer pointed to the east, towards the Mahakam Mountains, towards a large ditch that had recently been filled with dirt. Big enough to fit a few hundred bodies, at least, Jeremiah thought with a frown. Well, who's in charge now? Carmagnola interjected. Maybe we can help in some way. You'll want to speak with Brother Morgan. He's the authority these days, and a fine man to boot. He'll be somewhere in the center of all this. The center of the camp was easy enough to find though much less easy to reach, especially with four horses in tow. The four had to maneuver through clusters of peasants that were chatting or working together on some task or squabbling. Some of the tents were so close together that there was no clear path to follow. The stench of human waste and sweat and body odor, peppered with rot, was near intolerable. Jeremiah thought he might choke to death. 
They muddled through, however, and reached a collection of tents with a dozen crates stacked near it. Four peasants lifted one of the crates and opened it up. A few large sacks of oats were inside. One of the peasants, a dark-skinned young man, began doling out cups of oats to the line that had formed. Of the remaining three, Jeremiah chose to approach the old, bearded man that stood to the side and said, I take it you're brother Morgan. The bearded man tilted his head in confusion. Then he chuckled and said, Got me mistaken, lad. I ain't but... Actually, I'm brother Morgan. The young peasant doling out oats stepped forward, wiping dust from his hands on his dirty white shirt. He looked little more than a boy, with a youthful and beardless face. He couldn't have been older than twenty-three. He had soft features and a soft voice to accompany it. Can I help you? Apologies, Jeremiah said. I didn't mean any disrespect. I just thought... Of course. Brother Morgan nodded and smiled without showing teeth. Are you four passing through? We are, Jeremiah said. Then he added, because he thought it would be rude not to, I'm sorry for your loss. It was an ordeal, said Brother Morgan, but the eternal fire spared many of us, and the rebuilding has begun. What are your names? They introduced themselves, and Brother Morgan's eyes lingered on Jeremiah the longest. The craftsman knew why. I have heard of you, Jeremiah Keller, he said. I'm a cleric of the Church of the Eternal Fire. Your name has been bandied back and forth quite liberally this last month. Jeremiah nodded, though he couldn't quite puzzle together Morgan's deadpan expression. I'm simply doing my best to serve the fire. I'm happy to hear it. Do you have an infirmary set up? Carmignola asked. He had drawn his scarf over his mouth and nose, and looked a little pale as he glanced around at the suffering that surrounded them. I'm a doctor, and wish to help in whatever way I can. Brother Morgan nodded. Yes, of course. Jackham here can lead you there. Any help you can offer would be greatly appreciated. I'm happy to help, Carmignola said. He lifted Otto from his jacket and put the cat in the large bag attached to his horse, Lampsy. Lead on, Jackham. Brother Morgan turned to Zevo and Ethramel. You're all welcome to stay. We don't have much, but we'll make do. Gillis here can show you the makeshift stables. Thank you, Zevo said flatly. Morgan rubbed his neck. Jeremiah, would you join me in private for a moment? The cleric spoke in a manner that said Jeremiah had no choice but to agree, so the craftsman handed Ingot's reins to Zevo and said, Of course, lead on. Brother Morgan's tent did little more than cover hard-packed dirt in a frayed cot, and a small, unlit brazier. Morgan motioned for Jeremiah to sit, but the craftsman chose to stand. I don't need to tell you, the cleric said softly, that we are in dire need of assistance here. Jeremiah nodded. He had eyes, ears, and a nose, after all. And given your... reputation, not to mention your clear devotion to the eternal fire, Morgan continued, I'd like you to stay and help rebuild Tarnow. Lend your expertise. We've few builders left, sorry to say. I'd rather not, was Jeremiah's first thought. They had to get to a lander, after all and with the regiment of Nilfgaardians heading the same direction, time seemed to press in on all sides. But what else could he realistically do? Brother Morgan had put him in something of a bind. As the cleric pointed out, Jeremiah had to show at least some outward devotion to the Church of the Eternal Fire. They paid him well, after all, and Jeremiah would hate to see his income suddenly dry up. I can stay for a few days, he said to Brother Morgan, but I'm afraid other matters press us further. Morgan's flat expression did not waver. Whatever you offer is appreciated. He paused. You should also attend the sermon I'm holding at the church tonight. 
I'll have to survey Tarnow as soon as I can, see what's salvageable, Jeremiah said. I'll stop by if I have time. Of course, fire can sometimes bring great destruction, but it always leads to rebirth. Don't you agree? Jeremiah had seen plenty of fire in his life, and little rebirth. But he nodded and said, I couldn't agree more. 2. Zevo snarled when he saw Ethramel create a portal and disappear. The Witcher had a suspicion he'd teleported a few times since Beds in Apani's Mena, but he'd never seen it until now. Zevo didn't trust the spell. His distaste for sorcerers was cemented in his earliest days, when the sorcerer, Stesco Dror, had captured and experimented on him. And portals could lead anywhere. Who knew where Ethramel was headed? Zevo didn't. All he knew was that Ethramel stabled his horse Enye and stole into the ruins of Tarnow when he thought no one was looking. And off he went, perhaps never to return. Part of Zevo hoped as much. The elf had been a stalwart and reliable companion so far, true enough, but he was still a sorcerer, and sorcerers were always playing some angle. The witcher stalked back towards the makeshift stables, little more than a few hastily hammered pieces of driftwood. There were few horses aside from their own, and no refugees around. Zevo patted Enye with one hand, and reached into one of Ethramel's bags with the other. He pulled out a small wooden box, and grimaced at the pile of white powder inside. Fistek, a highly addictive narcotic. Son of a bitch, Zevo thought, putting the box back. The new scar on his face itched. He patted the wound gently, wondering what to do. Is that why the elf was so keen to get to a lander? so he could sell his fist tech and land them all on the gallows? Before the witcher's thoughts could sink any deeper, he heard someone creep up behind him. Zevo spun on his heels and reached for his steel sword. He growled when he saw the intruder was a boy. He couldn't have been older than ten by the looks of him, and his dirty brown hair fell over his eyes. What do you want? Zevo asked. He was in a foul mood. The boy brushed his hair out of his eyes with shaking hands and stepped back. I, um... I just... Well, you're a witcher, aren't you? Aye. So I thought you might, um... The boy licked his lips and took a deep breath. He straightened his back and seemed to double his confidence. I wish to hire you to kill a monster. Sawed off, kid. You can't afford me. The boy stomped his foot in defiance. You don't know that. And besides, aren't all witchers bound to investigate if someone tells them there's a monster? Where'd you hear that? I read it in The Invisible World. Are you saying it lied? Lots of books lie, boy. But did this one? Zevo grunted. When he was the boy's age, it was drilled into him that if a monster was terrorizing a community, it was a witcher's job to investigate. What's the monster? he asked. I don't know. It lives in the forest, though. And it, um, is big and hairy and walks on four legs. Have you seen it? A few times, at a distance. My mom said I wasn't allowed to go into the forest but I visited more than once. Pitifully light information. Zevo had every right to refuse the job on that alone. He may have been taught to investigate if a monster was terrorizing a community, but that didn't mean he had to run into the woods every time a peasant said they saw something. Then the boy said, I also saw the cobbler wander into the forest four nights ago, and no one's seen him since. Damn it, Zevo thought. That was enough for him, unfortunately. Tell me where you last saw the monster. I'd have to show you. No. If there's a monster in the forest, you don't want to be anywhere near it. The boy puffed out his cheeks. He had confidence to spare now, it seemed. I can take care of myself. 
Besides, it'll be faster if I show you. Zevo sighed. If he was to do the job, it was best to get it done quickly. What's your name, boy? Remy. I'm Zevo of Kavir. Take me where you last saw the monster while there's still light. Zevo leaned forward, fixing his yellow eye on the child. I take no responsibility if something happens to you, and I certainly won't get myself killed because of your incompetence. Do you understand? Remy wavered slightly, but he matched Zevo's stare and nodded. Good. Then lead on. Remy led on. Zevo was happy to be out of the camp, with its intolerable stench. A stretch of grassy plain separated the camp and the forest. The wind blew gently, and it would have been peaceful had Remy stopped gabbing for more than three seconds. The boy, it seemed, was an endless font of curiosity, and he peppered Zevo with questions. I've read that witchers can live a long time. How old are you? he asked. How old do you think I am? Remy rubbed his chin and stuck out his tongue. One hundred and fifty-three. Zevo barked laughter. He couldn't help it. I look two decades older than I should, he thought. He rubbed his half-mustache. This new scar isn't doing me any favors. He told Remy, I'm a hundred and thirty-five, give or take a few years. Remy's eyes widened. Wow, how long can witchers live for? I don't know. All of us are killed on the path, well before old age can take us. Do you know Geralt of Rivia? Zevo scoffed. That damned, fame-hungry witcher was always the first one to cross people's minds. Songs of Geralt's heroic exploits have been sung far and wide by the troubadour Dandelion. It annoyed Zevo to no end. Witchers aren't meant to be famous. They're meant to hunt and kill monsters. No, he's not in my school. He's with the School of the Wolf, huh? Remy laced his fingers behind his head as he walked. The forest loomed ahead. And you're with the School of the Bear. I... Do all the witcher schools not get along? Not particularly. Why? I don't know. They just don't. Zevo had run across more than a few witchers from different schools on the path, of course, but they never stuck together long. There's five schools, right? Remy asked. Wolf, cat, griffin, viper, bear. You forgot the manticore and the crane. I thought those schools were myths. Zevo grunted. You're all different, but aren't witchers working towards the same goal? Zevo stopped at the edge of the forest. How do you know all this, boy? I told you I read it. In The Invisible World and Physiologus and Monstrum, or Description of the Witcher. That last book is nothing but propaganda against witchers. I know, but I figure there's at least some half-truths in there. Remy jumped over a gnarled tree root and into the forest. Oh, come on. The monster's this way. He led Zevo to a small clearing not too far in. Remy sat on a low-hanging branch while Zevo investigated the area. He saw no signs of a monster. He smelled and saw signs of deers and hares and maybe a wolf or two, but nothing that was out of place in the forest. He told as much to Remy, but the boy was adamant. I saw something here. And how do you explain the cobbler going missing? Ran away from the camp, most like, Zevo thought. Wanted to get as far away from this mess as possible. The witcher grunted. Let's wait for a while. Maybe it'll show up. Stop wasting my time, boy. I'm not. What's the harm in waiting for an hour or two? Zevo was annoyed that he couldn't think of any harms. It's not like he had anything to do in the camp, anyway. Jeremiah was off rebuilding, Carmagnola was off healing, and Ethramel was off doing something suspect. That just left the poor, bored witcher, with nothing better to do than follow around a child. So they waited, and Remy's questions about witchers didn't let up. Can your school make any more witchers? He asked, his legs swinging from the tree branch. 
Zevo wrapped his knuckles against the tree trunk. Don't know. We may have one or two alchemists left in the school, but what would be the point? There's less and less work for the witchers that are still alive. No need to add more competition. Well, if there's less of you every year, then wouldn't there be more monsters after a while? Remy said, as if it was the most obvious thing in the world. Not necessarily. Most monsters aren't from here. They entered our realm of existence centuries ago during the conjunction of the spheres, when rifts were opened up between multiple worlds. You must have heard about that, since you've read so many damned books. These monsters aren't natural to this ecosystem, so when they die out, they die out for good. Witchers have done their job, boy. There's no need for more. Remy nodded, and fell uncharacteristically silent. Some time passed, and there was no sign of the monster or cobbler. Let's go, Zevo said. It's finally getting dark. Your family will worry about you. Got no family left, and the innkeeper's wife don't care where I am, Remy said, but didn't argue. He hopped off the tree branch and led Zevo back to the camp. He waved goodbye and ran off, but not before saying, I'll see you tomorrow. Zevo didn't like the sound of that, but he let the annoyance pass. After all, he was just a poor, bored witcher, with nothing better to do than follow around a child. That'll do it for this episode of Tales from the Witcher. This podcast is written and produced by Jacob Gerstel. The Witcher novels are by Andrzej Sapkowski. The Witcher games are by CD Projekt Red. And The Witcher tabletop RPG is by R. Talsorian Games. The music is by Eric Matias at soundimage.org. Be sure to leave a rating and a review, and to spread the word of this podcast far and wide. You can follow the podcast at Tales Witcher Pod on X or at talesfromthewitcher.buzzsprout.com. Thanks again for listening, and I'll see you again next week.